0: a weakness in this dojo so you can leave your asthma and your peanut allergies and all that other made up bullshit outside is that understood
1: and one good afternoon everybody and welcome to another episode of the takedown before we get started i want to thank everybody for boosting these streaming numbers in the last three podcasts uh you guys have just made the numbers absolutely incredible and i super appreciate that I apologize once again for the little hiatus that I took there for a little bit. Uh, if you aren't getting enough of me, go to BaselineTimes.com uh, or on Twitter, go to BaselineMMA. That's mine and Cody Gwynn's uh, MMA podcast. And really quick, just want to shout out Phone Soap. Go to PhoneSoap.com, use the code TAKEDOWN, and you get 20% off your order. Uh, what is up, John Davis?
2: Hey, man. How you doing?
1: Bro, it has been way too long since we had like a, a long conversation.
2: It has, we, uh, yeah, it's, well, we could say five years, but I mean, you know, we've talked on the phone and stuff, odds ends here and there, but, yeah, it's, um, it's been way too long, uh, I think you brought it up recently, you know, I need to make a trip down south there, and uh, see you guys, meet the little girl, and have a little bit of fun.
1: Dave, me casa is, is you casa, you know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> I know, man.
1: I don't, my Spanish isn't all that good. Um, I, I know,
2: so I'm just gonna, I was just gonna let it be. <laughs> did, did
1: you, did you listen, like, a couple episodes ago, I was, I was actually, I'm taking, like, portuguese lessons and i'm just failing so bad my teacher like, my teacher's like yo buddy you gotta you gotta actually study this shit i'm like hey, i'm
2: trying so i tried to learn i thought there'd be more overlap in portuguese and spanish Dude, when right? i was younger because i had these uh there were two very very gorgeous uh brazilian uh women that went to uh, school with us as, on a foreign exchange program so i was like oh man i'm gonna learn portuguese i'm gonna really impress them you know and uh, I did not at all. That that was a failure of a <laughs> of an attempt.
1: Dude, it is so hard, bro. Because like it's literally like, how you pronounce things, like yeah, like your tone dictates what something means. And like you know me, like I I joke and laugh all the time, bro. So like I'll be offending people and won't even realize it. You
2: know? <laughs> yeah, I I felt like. It sounds stupid, and I 'm sure uh, hopefully you don't get uh, a bunch of Portuguese speaking fans uh, sl- slamming you because I 'm not going to check any comments, but um, it's like it felt like Spanish German in, in the way that I was uh, trying to pronounce things. It had that really aggressive pronunciation on a lot of things that, that you get with German as well, so um, I don't it's, know it just felt really different really but weird. if you do know if you know Spanish, Italian is pretty easy to pick up and um French, uh, I found, um, not overlap necessarily, but it was kind of easy to get into learning some of the stru- uh, sentence structures and stuff. So, um, those, they're fairly close languages. I guess everything over there, a lot of them Latin-based uh, languages are pretty similar.
1: I have a friend, uh, Natalie, she's actually been on the podcast. She knows, like, three or four different languages, bro, and I'm just like, how, bro? Because, like, like, I was going to go to college, like, like, a major in, like, creative writing or, like, English but like when you really think about it, like we barely have a like an actual grasp <laughs> on the construct of english like you know what i mean
2: yeah well our language is difficult man i've had a lot of people tell me english can be pretty difficult to learn it's, i've it's i've taken evolving. yeah well yeah and it's there there's so many different dialects where like if you go to i uh, whatever do you, do you remember the first, i blanked out but
1: do you remember the first time we ever met and you were like motherfucker you're a hillbilly and i was like what
2: <laughs> yeah I was like, like, sitting, sitting in the van
1: yeah I was like this is normal for me you were like god bless where are you from
2: <laughs> I was so when I got off that plane I was I had been on quite the drinking spree I had a long layover in O'Hare and uh yeah <laughs> you guys got to meet me in good form
1: man let me tell so for everybody listening me and John met back in 2000 and what was it fifteen?
2: Yeah, fifteen.
1: Yeah, so back in two thousand fifteen, we were working for the same company, and we got shipped out to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, as part of like a road crew kind of scenario. And so when I, it was me and my roommate Logan. When we first got off the plane, it was me, Logan, and then we we got with you, and then another guy from Ohio, correct? There was, it was just the four of us.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, cause no, the the other guy from Ohio was he was already at the hotel, um. Like, I don't remember who it was that got got in with us. It, it was I think Joe. it was a guy from Michigan. Oh yeah, it was Joe. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I forgot Joe was on that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so dude, i literally literally um, like you know like in airports like it's a it's the terrible like it's it's terrible because you don't have any time in between your flights. Like you're like oh well, for me and Logan because we were like rushing from like flight to flight to flight. We had like eight fucking connectors, dude. Um, oh man. But like I had no time to smoke a cigarette, like whatsoever. So like you guys caught me, like I was jonesing for a cigarette. Like I was irritable as hell. It was hot as fuck, dude. Like I was just so aggravated and everyone is like, Hey, my name my name's this and my name's that and I'm just like, Hey, what's up guys? Please don't look at me right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got off a plane in jeans and everyone's like, You're gonna die. <laughs> Yeah, I
1: remember, I remember yeah. walking through the airport in jeans, and everybody's like, "Oh, first time!" I was like, "What does that even fucking mean?"
2: Yeah, then you step out the door and you burst into flames immediately.
1: You, do you remember when the little cleaning lady got the the scorpion out of the hotel?
2: I don't think I was around for that.
1: It was like me, Will, and Logan, and we're oh, and Justin Christmas too, and we were like sitting in the lobby. <laughs> And that little the little Mexican cleaning lady or Spanish latino I'm, I'm sorry I'm not trying to offend anybody but the little the little Spanish cleaning lady like came by with like a little dustpan that had like a scorpion <laughs> in it I was like, what the fuck
2: that's th- so I, to this day swear to God I saw a dog the bounty hunter at that freaking hotel dude right right I swear it, it had to have been him and and I tried to google it too to see where he was at like if there's any sh- like filming or anything on location going but I don't know. Yeah, inconclusive
1: so, so we had we had all drank one night all of us had drank and i walked over to that little uh like the little gas station beside our hotel yeah and the I, circle I, k yeah and i walked in and i was buying like a pack of cigarettes and there was a guy in line and he was like he had like his utility belt on and like his big ass like yeah uh, what are those pants with all the pockets you know what i'm talking about the big cargo, cargo pants? pants yeah the big cargo yeah. pants and he had like a badge on and I was like, I just, you know, drunk and, like, struck up a conversation with him. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm a bounty hunter. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. And he shows me this bite on his arm. It was like this huge-ass bite. He said, I got this from an Indian out in the out in the reservation, man. He was high on PCP. I was like, no fucking way, bro. And he was telling me he had to, like, tase this guy, like, eight times just to get him to, like, semi-cooperate. I was like, what the fuck kind of shit is this dude? That was, like... That was like our second week there, and I was like, "Oh, Arizona's a different animal, bro."
2: We, I knew we were. Well, I got out of the the rental vehicle and I looked around and I was like, "Oh, they put us in the hood, nice." And then I tried to invite like locals over to the hotel to hang out and grill with us, and they're like, "No, we we don't hang out down there." But there was this bar, so there, me and. Me, I won't, I won't name him on the podcast because I, I, know he likes his privacy. But me and this one guy, we used to go out when we just kind of get in trouble together. And there's, there's a bar across the street that we always went into. And uh, the, the guard had like, he had like an inch thick vest outside, and like he always patted me down though because he was like, yeah, uh, clean cut white guys don't hang out on this side of town. So what are you, what are you fucking getting into? <laughs> <laughs> I got okay, Fair enough, man. All right.
1: The little grocery store across from the hotel, I remember it was called Food Country. Dude, not a lick of English in that place at all. Like all Greatest the- food ever. Dude, for real. All the food was in Spanish, but damn it, was so good.
2: There. So the place I got my hair cut there um, was oh, ran by... Man. It was ran by, like, four Hispanic women, and none of them spoke English, and I, I remember just going in the one day and just saying, Wapo, you know, just me my poor Spanish just, like, make me handsome, and I, they, dude, they, every, they were perfect, they were, they were incredible, I wish I could remember the, the, the business's name, so I could kind of, like, yeah, shout them out it, and give them a right plug, beside, but.
1: It was right there beside the, the laundry place and the Dominoes, bro, remember, I just showed them a picture. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how to speak any yeah. Spanish whatsoever, I just showed them a picture.
2: Yep, oh, they tried to tell me. They they tried to convince me to sh- trim my beard, and I found a picture of me without one. And they go, "Oh no no no, <laughs> yeah. oh,
0: it's no. it's
2: all bad. It's bad without this thing, man. I can't do it. Man. I haven't shaved my I haven't shaved my beard off since I was like 24. Me and a bunch of friends went out uh, dressed as Motley Crue, and you know, in 80s Motley Crue. None of them had beards or facial hair or anything. So I trimmed all it off, and I never fucking again. It's been six years since I've done that. Dude, I've never- uh, but it's I've
1: cut mine like in the meantime and bro I hate it every single time I hate it
2: yeah I I, I mean I'm I sound 12 so it, like the benefit is you got a deep voice I do not at all so if I trim this thing off I, people are coming to me like oh my god you know are you lost little boy where are your parents you have that that I look moment. like
1: <laughs> you have that moment from fucking home alone where he goes up to Donald Trump
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and just get pointed in the other direction yeah bro. it's it's one of those kind of things
1: bro what did you think about the dirt
2: the movie? Yeah. Oh my God! So, so okay, good. well, it, it is amazing. But my so here's my thing, is that you know I, I read the book, I've read the heroine Diaries. You know I'm a, a tremendous Motley Crue fan. You know I used to knock on your door with a bottle of Jack to wake you up on her days off. Um, you know I I I, uh, I wish that they had added like I wish it had been about an hour longer just to add in a couple of other details. But That's the same thing I said. Be, so. Yep, because they blew through some really good stuff, but they did a great job with what they did cover. But me and my my friends from back home, you know, who are, uh, you know, we're a family unit. You know, we all kind of had interesting situations, and uh, they were going to come down here. and we We're going to watch it as like a family movie night. Well, we weren't able to make it happen, so we we got on our playstations and we all got our headsets around and we. We all got on Netflix, and we three, two, one, boom, you know, press, press play, and we all watched it together. We we cried when Vince Neil's daughter died together, and, like, oh, man, this is great. Drank a lot. Of w- it felt so weird because, like, we were partying together, but we were sitting there like dorks with our headsets, you know, so we're pounding Jack Daniels like we normally would, and then <laughs> just sitting on my fucking living room carpet.
1: That's, like, the most wholesome thing ever, though, like, you and the bros just, like, all watching the dirt together, like, with your headsets. Like, it's pretty badass.
2: It was so good. It was such a... It, it was. It was just like a family moment. It, the only thing that could have made it better was them in person, but for what we had, that was like the greatest thing.
1: Yeah, that was, man, such a good movie, bro. I, I really wish that they would do like an Aussie biopic now with the guy that played Aussie in the dirt. Yeah, because yeah, he... I don't, I don't know that actor's name, but he absolutely nailed it, man.
2: Yeah, I can't remember his name either. He did. He did a great job. He. The accent. He nailed the voice
1: trying to bring it up now yeah he, dude, he absolutely nailed it um such a good and machine gun kelly is tommy lee like when you say it out loud you're like oh yeah okay but it actually works so good bro
2: yeah i was so okay i and this is uh going back to something you and i were talking about pre-recording about uh me listening to the previous episode tony caballero was, me- was that
0: guy's name i'm sorry
2: ah yeah okay why god what else has he been in that name's so familiar but um no some of the Some of the, um, when you were talking about like Mac Miller and MGK and those guys opening doors for introspective rappers, man, I was like, oh, just like biting my tongue because there's so many before them. But I will say I really like MGK's progression as an artist. And not just because he put out like a a pop punk hip hop album just recently, but his growth because I don't care what anyone says. If you go back to that album with Wild Boy on it, you're not going to talk to me about introspection because there were two songs that were you know semi-deep the rest of it was oh i'm badass i'm a wild boy oh fuck that dude that shit's corny to me um but as he grew and understood himself more as i watched him in interviews where he talked about you know my younger behavior was destructive i understand the things that i've ruined you know um i really appreciate it. Where you get all the way up to what was the album hotel diablo is yeah, yeah, that
1: hotel it hotel diablo was the last one
2: that is an amazing hip-hop album through and through and i never thought i'd give uh, mgk that compliment um. That, but that was very, very impressive uh, craftsmanship from him.
1: Well, see, when I was growing up, like, like my introduction to rap was like Eminem, Fifty Cent, like that. Um, mm-hmm. like that little kind of sub sub genre of rap, right? And then yeah. I really like I wasn't really interested in anything else, out, like outside of that, for a while. And then Mac Miller yeah. came along with the it was the Kids mixtape and the Best Day Ever. And then you you're right, MGK put out. Uh, uh, the, lace Up or yeah, whatever yeah Lace Lace Up that's what it was I had Wild Boy and then he started doing other stuff he covered like Rise Against on uh, the Black Flag EP and so like MGK really had like a really like it's been a really wild progression for him too because like like you're right like it's not just because he put out like this kind of pop punk record which by the way is like the number one album on iTunes right now by the way I don't know if you've seen that
2: um, I I didn't but I'm not surprised I need to listen to all of it I, I, I've I only listen to the song with Halsey at this point, but that's because I fucking love her.
1: You know, Tra- Travis uh, Travis Barker actually produced the whole thing and drummed on it, man, it's really good. But, but he had this yep. progression where we've kind of, like, seen him, um, like, we've seen him kind of come up as, like, this kid with, like, a mohawk, and he's, like, rapping fast, and he's doing this and doing that. Well, then he kind of, like, he was kind of blending, like, hip-hop with, you know, pop-punk and with punk for a while. You know, he had Kellen Quinn mm-hmm. from Sleeping With Sirens on an album they done swing life away and and, you know they done a lot of um like a lot of like genre bending stuff well then he done hotel diablo which is like super introspective and he talks about like his own depression and he talks about this and that he shouts out chester he shouts out mac miller of course and then this newest offering that we've got from from mgk you know he was in the dirt he was in a couple other movies he was in uh slc punk 2 i don't know if you've seen that it was on netflix I did not. Yeah, he was. He was in that. He was a star in that. And then he was in Bird Box. And then he comes out with this absolutely phenomenal pop punk record. Man, you got to give it a, a a shot, man. It's a super good record. Like I said, Travis Barker produced it and, and drummed on it. Uh, Halsey, Halsey, man, she needs to come up with a with a punk record now because she sounds. Yes. She sounded like Lacey from uh from Flyleaf, if you remember them.
2: Check yes. Check out her song "Experiment on Me." It was on um. Oh, what was the...
1: The the Ashley album.
2: Was that on there? Um, I just know it from the Harley Quinn... uh, Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey album. That's the only thing I know it from. But, yeah, like, at the end, she got, like... Like, by the end of that record, dude, she was, like, screaming and shit. And I was like, oh, my God. Super talented chick. Dude, just all over the board. Yeah, super artistic, super talented. And, um, yeah, everything I hear from her, I, I just really enjoy.
1: I was manic. She named one, like, after herself. um,
2: I think she, I I, I think you're right, but I think it was, like, EP or something.
1: She's super talented, though, bro. Like, like, honestly, like, I don't really get into, like, a lot of pop music, but I can get down to Halsey any time of day.
2: Yeah. Dude, You Should Be Sad was a great diss track.
1: Oh, bro, she (laughs) killed G-Eazy, bro. Absolutely (laughs) murdered him.
2: Yeah, that was beautiful.
1: Have you seen the movie Hustlers? No. G-Eazy was in that, and I had no idea. Cardi B and Lizzo were in it as well.
2: Oh, that movie! Yeah, okay. No, I haven't saw it, but okay, I know, I know the one you're talking about.
1: Yeah, Jeezy was in that movie too. I was like, what the hell? Like, I did not see that coming at all, bro. So you might be one of the first, or if if you're not the first, you're definitely maybe the second guest that's ever brought notes to the podcast.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm well known for my note taking. So one
1: of the things. <laughs> One of the things that uh, we we were talking about before the podcast got started was the Spotify deal for Joe Rogan, right? Yes. Okay, and you you brought up something about Joe Budden and 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 his work on Spotify, right?
2: Yeah. So, and again, I and I have told you like I'm I'm these are going to be very rough notes because um, it it's been kind of a long thing. There's been a lot of information to really process in an industry that I'm not um, overly familiar with, but. You know, I remember when the Joe Budden podcast went over to Spotify, and it was like huge news. I remember seeing all the subscribers. You know that that decided to go over to the platform. Myself, I have always, I've never liked Spotify. I remember from its early days, and it fucking sucked. I've never never liked liked Spotify, and um, but I said, you know what? This is one of my favorite podcasts. I support this, and it remained their number one podcast all throughout um, its tenure. And then they, you know, they started cutting contracts to um, Joe Rogan. Um. Oh fuck. Who else? I don't. I want keep on to say Bill Burr, but I know I'm wrong. But um, it there's a couple a other podcasts on there. Yeah, there's kinda there's there's some bigger name acts that started getting in there. Of course, Michelle Obama um podcast and just just a bunch of very large name acts, and um. But the deals that were getting cut were kind of. You know, obviously better than what Joe Budden did, but he was he was the the front runner. You don't expect to have the best deal when you're kind of the experiment. Well, the whole time he, had, the, I'd say, about the last like 20 episodes of his podcast, he had spent talking about that deal, the information that he gained, and um, you know he's parting ways from the podcast and and how uh, and now we're seeing some of these reports about uh, you know Joe Rogan being censored and some of the um, disgruntled um, Spotify team that are yeah some of the disgruntled Spotify employees are all part of this stuff and um I know it's just interesting to watch people can say what they want about Joe Budden but he's never really lied to us about these platforms he's been on um so anyone that's interested, please get it from someone much smarter than me. Um, look up more of the details because I'm just glossing over a lot of really rough facts, of course. But um, I don't know. It's a big thing A big thing to me. One of the reasons I follow people like that because, again, you know, he's a pretty um, polarizing figure in the hip-hop community, in the podcast community, uh, YouTube community, whatever people want to call it, you know, because he's all over the board. But um, the reason I like people like that is because they talk about the creators owning the content, and I I will always stand behind that because there should never be a company that pays me, just I'm just giving fake numbers here, but 30% of something that I own and created, and they keep the 70 for themselves just because they gave me a platform. No, fuck you. I'll find my platform. This is my product. This is my art. This is my passion, not yours. You don't get the majority of what I've created. Um,
1: and you're starting to see like more people like you. Um, like more like most recently, like Tory Lane's on his new album was talking about getting the masters to his uh, mm-hmm. to his stuff, and then you know, you've got Kanye who had that absolute epic freak out about a week ago uh, about, about artists getting the masters <laughs> before that. It was Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, man. But but I'm Nicky, you-
2: Nicky Six Nicky Six did it with Electra back in '85, I'm, and I'm, he was one of the first artists to do it. Look at Prince, look at everything Prince did. Prince. Prince is the only person to this day that I can say defeated the internet, and it took his death for him to actually, for YouTube, for streaming platforms, outside of Title. he did like Title, but uh, streaming platforms, YouTube, the internet, anything to actually start getting videos of him out there, because while he was alive, it didn't happen. Um, How many artists can really say that when they didn't want content leaked, it didn't get leaked?
1: And so that's, like, I'm so glad you brought this up, because I I mentioned on the last podcast, and I tweeted about it as well, that that if Spotify is going to continue to try to censor the Joe Rogan episodes, I'm just going to pull my my podcast from that platform. And I would I'd consider, say do it. I would 100% mean it, too. I'm giving them until October the 1st, because supposedly October the 1st is when the second rollout of the Joe Rogan episodes, like the Alex Jones, Michaela Peterson, all those episodes are going to uh, release, I guess, to Spotify. And so the... the only thing that worries me is if they're edited.
2: Yeah, so that's a big thing is I think that people need to go back and, I mean, the internet, obviously, especially Joe Rogan's, um, his community is um, smart enough and involved enough that I'm sure that there will be people that go back and audit that and check it out for themselves to see. Um, So that's kind of the cool thing about, because I I mean, I'm… I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast here and there. I, I pick and choose what episodes I listen to just because I only care about certain guests. I'm sure there's a lot of entertaining um, content that I missed out on, but I want to hear the Russell Brands, the Neil deGrasse Tyson's, those kinds. You know, I don't I don't need to hear every UFC fighter or you know the same comedian that's been on there a million times, um, not for any reason other than just I just don't have the attention span for it. But um, for somebody like Joe Rogan with his his platform, that it is amazing um, to see because I think that Spotify is going to feel pressure. To to start allowing the artists to be artists because um, when you have a platform as big as Joe Rogan's, the problem is when you bring on somebody with that much pull, um, you now go. have yeah. y- you now have somebody to fight back against you. Yeah. You know, it, it takes a couple it takes a couple big big contracts or a couple big acts to. Maybe tumble before, but once a, once a few of them, enough of them, kind of chip away at your foundation, you have to fucking change. The structural damage is there, so you got to fucking rebuild.
1: That's what I was going to say. You're, like, you're bound to have a scuffle every now and then, but but I mean, there was a lot of episodes that got left out. And that's the thing, man, is like I started this podcast to give people who normally wouldn't have a platform, uh, like to just give them an extra platform, like an extra outlet so they can plug uh like like if they have a fight coming up or so they can plug their like their new podcast or they can plug their product or or even like an OnlyFans or something like that like i just i created this yeah. to give other people like to give other creators and other artists a platform and uh like it wouldn't be right of me to continue using a platform that consistently tears down other like you know what i'm saying like tears down other people's uh like creativity and so, like, that's the thing is, like, like I'm not a huge, pl- like, podcast, like, at all. Like, I have, like, I, I do pretty good, like, number-wise. And, like, I do pretty good, uh, <clears throat> like, like estimated audience, like, size. Like, I do pretty well. But at the same time, yeah. I'm not, like, a Joe Budden. And I'm not, like, a Joe Rogan. I'm not, like, a, even a Dax Shepard, like, an armchair uh, expert kind of thing. But, yeah. but if more people were to have that mindset where, oh, I can't support this company because they're doing this, then we would see a change within, uh like, within these, these companies. And that's, like, that's the thing that bothers me, is, like, I'm out here doing this shit for, like, like, I don't want to say, like, for the good reasons or the right reasons. Like, I do this because I truly enjoy it, but, like, like my ulterior motives when I started this was to help other people. And so it just, to me, like... like if, Community. Yeah, if that's what it is, man. If you're If I'm in this podcasting community and there's a company that's, like, kind of chipping away at, at certain people within this community, like, I'm not going to take a stand for that. And that's kind of like what we were talking about before the, the podcast got started with, like, like where you stand on things. It's like, if you feel like something's unjust, like you're supposed to say something about it. So I, I made a tweet. I've said it publicly on the podcast. I'm giving it until October the 1st. And then I'm just going to see, like, what plays out. And, yeah. you know, I hate it if you're, like, a, a Spotify-exclusive listener because I'm also on Apple. I'm also on uh, I Heart Radio, Stitcher, Google. I'm, I'm on every platform that podcasts can be. Uh, supported on. So, I mean, there's other platforms, but I understand a lot of people like Spotify, but I've never been a fan, bro.
2: No, I remember it back in its early days when it was glitchy and buggy, and, I mean, even to this day, I don't like getting in there and, and trying to sit down and make a playlist or anything like that. Well, I take it back. I have created some playlists and, like, shared them with people, but it's like I, I curated what was on that. I didn't, oh, man, I want to listen to... <laughs> Uh, f- uh, we'll just go some shitty early two thousands. Actually, it's not shitty, but like the the Taste of Ink by the Used. I want to yeah. listen to this. Well, it gives me that, and then it gives me eighteen million other songs by mm. bands I don't give a shit about. No, I want to listen to the Used, and let me pick it.
1: Yeah, um, if you if know. you if you do like the Used, it'll give you like eight songs from like the Spill Canvas, one from Jacks Mannequin, like like two from My Billy Single Talent, Boy. and all this. Yeah. And it's and like, like, come oh, on, man, this, this isn't what I. This is not what I. Put. Dude, so Amazon. or or you. Oh, go ahead. Amazon done the same thing. I I was uh I got locked out of my Apple uh music account whenever I swapped iPhone and I got locked out for like two weeks. So when you pay for Amazon Prime it like gives you access to like the Amazon music or whatever. And yeah. so I made a playlist on there of just like stuff to get me through like a little two week period until I could like recover my Apple ID or whatever. Yeah. And like that's what they do, bro. Like if you add like I added um friends in low places by garth brooks and they added like eight more garth brooks songs and i was like what the hell so then i I added (laughs) i added like two uh brand new songs and it gave me the entire newest bayside album and i was like oh i like bayside it's like it's no biggie but still like what the fuck is that kind of yeah that that mentality that's like when when u2 put their entire new album on every iphone
2: don't oh don't you get me fucking started that was a big old did did you you experience that yeah, it was a big old bonono in my book. That shit was garbage. Oh, oh, and what? then <laughs> a big old bonono. <laughs> you heard me right. <laughs> so that pissed me off because, well, a, I don't like you two. I, I, I think that they're garbage. If you're going to call yourself the Edge, you better fucking rip that guitar a new one. Don't be some lazy at- hack with a fucking effects pedal. Wait,
1: pause. And, you don't, you don't like Sunday Bloody Sunday?
2: No. What? So, b- carrying forward, I said what I said. Uh, it, at, at the <laughs> time, it was very. It was like hidden on how to delete music off of iTunes at that time, if I remember right. So it was like, I'm stuck with this thing. And then Bono put out his apology that basically cut, summed up to like, hey, I'm sorry you didn't like this quality music I provided you. It's like, fuck you, dude. It's
1: like it's like a chef fixing something, like fixing something with peanuts and giving it to somebody with yeah. a peanut allergy. And then they say, oh, I'm sorry, you're fucking allergic.
2: Yeah, it's like, I'm sorry, I, I this you don't have good taste. Get out of here. Yeah, fuck that- you, Bono. <laughs>
1: Dude, I I don't see. I didn't have an iPhone when that happened, but I remember a lot of people were oh. pissed, bro. It's because yeah. I went back and forth. Like I, dude, for the longest time, I had the BlackBerry. Like even <laughs> up into like my teenage years, bro. Like no shit. Like I I love the BlackBerry, bro.
2: The moment I could get rid of my BlackBerry, I did that dude, thing. Dude, when you were a my drug Scroll dealer, Ball. Dude, <laughs> well, yeah, you, they were great for that.
1: <laughs> when you were a drug dealer, bro, you had to have that BlackBerry. Bro. And then I, dude, I upgraded. I upgraded to the Palm Pre, bro. Did you ever have one of those?
2: No, I did not. Did I, the I palm, went.
1: The palm was good, man.
2: I I went straight from my uh, BlackBerry with the missing scroll ball and all that other shit. I fucking trashed that thing. and Went to like the LTG Incredible Two or whatever the hell it was. That thing was sweet, but eventually I just I made my way back over to um, an iPhone because I have a I have a Mac. Like I'm just used to their operating system, and ultimately I don't need all the widgets. I don't need all the customization, and that yeah. back then was really the big difference. You can just have a clean cut. This is how it performs. This is what it is. Or oh, give me all the frills and fanciness, like because Apple is. You're gonna do what the fuck Apple's layout is. I don't give a fuck about that. Cool. It runs. Battery's great. I don't need widgets and all the fancy frills. And st- you know me though. I'm, I'm a grumpy fucking just give it to me straight kind of guy.
1: <laughs> Dude, you know what? You know what? I've always compared Android to Apple to would be fucking MySpace to Facebook, bro. How you be yeah. able to customize your MySpace profile?
2: Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a really really good. Uh, that's a really good comparison. Do you sidebar, do you remember Vampire Freaks?
1: Dude, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you hold do? On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on a second.
2: So, uh, so, nobody does. Yes.
1: Dude, so I created an account because remember uh, Mindless Self Indulgence and uh, like Combo Chris and like all these other bands like used to use vampire freaks like heavy, bro. So yeah. I was super young bro and I created an account so I could like keep up with like what these artists were doing because back then, bro, like like, you were, like, sticking it to the man if you didn't use MySpace, right? And so a lot of industrial bands weren't using MySpace. So I started this fucking account, right? And, like, literally, like, three weeks into me having an account, like, eight old dudes messaged me on there. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm done. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just get the new album when it comes out, I guess.
2: Yeah, I, I will just Google it. Yeah, I, I got it because there was just a bunch of uh, goth and emo girls... Uh, that were on there that I was friends with. And I was like, well, you know, this is this is our platform. MySpace doesn't like us folks, so, you know, we'll just go here. And then I stopped using it, was pretty, it it was pretty – it was kind of lame.
1: It was really lame. It, when <laughs> you, like in retrospect, like, it was super lame, and it was super predatory too. So <laughs> I was just – Well, like,
2: I didn't uh, have it – yeah, I didn't have any old men trying to pick me up and scoop me off the street, so thank goodness.
1: Bro, have you ever been catfished?
2: Uh – I mean, I probably have, but I don't, I don't like indulge in a lot of that. Like, I'm, I'm, well, okay, I've I've kind of slacked on it lately. I've done some drunk ads on on Facebook, but usually I I only add people or accept requests from people that I know, so I've gotten, I I won't say I've gotten lucky, I've just kind of vetted that stuff out, like, I'll I'll try and do my due diligence if somebody that looks way too hot for me adds me or something, I'll just uh, look around and see if anything looks fishy on the profile, no pun intended, but.
1: I uh, I recently watched because I, I guess like they recently put it on Hulu was the actual catfish documentary. Yeah. You remember what I'm talking about the the actual movie movie that like started the show. Yeah. Yeah. So they recently put it on Hulu and I was watching it and I was just like, bro, like kids nowadays should never get catfished because like I don't know like I just feel like social media is different now than it was like back then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when we were growing up, like, it'd it'd probably be super easy to get catfish, but, like, growing up now, like, these kids have, like, a no-bullshit filter, and, like, what's so crazy is, like, people can make a comment, and if somebody doesn't agree with it, they'll, like, find where you work, they'll find, like, your home address, like, they'll find, like, your school you graduated from, like...
2: I, you know what, I honestly... So I have really mixed feelings about people's availability to do that. On the one side, like, if you're fucking... Tucker dick face and whatever in North Carolina and you're walking around with a tiki torch giving the Nazi salute or whatever like yeah I want everybody to find out where you work and get you fired like you like I don't I wanna like want to find where you live at that point
1: you know <laughs> yeah you know like, like I want to make a house call
2: but on the flip side of that I um that uh, that accessibility that availability into everybody's lives whether I want someone to get involved in it or not that availability to come and find me like I don't know it's just there's it's concerning that we that we also have that you know i i I, yeah it is it's scary it's it's worrisome but on the flip side of it well i keep saying on the flip side another thing i guess i really do like about it though is so i've had this whole view of like social media for a long time that especially here in america in the western world where we're obsessed with celebrities we're obsessed with these personalities well now I have this platform to be my own little celebrity, my own little personality, and if someone disagrees with me, I can just block them, and I all of a sudden have this massive crowd of people that think exactly the same as me saying, yeah, fuck yeah, you were totally right, when in reality, if some someone was you know critiquing something that I did, they might have been the voice of reason, and now I'm just listening to a bunch of fucking yes men inflating my ego and all this other shit. Like, so the ability for people to kind of look <laughs> that stuff up and bully people back into silence… I kind of almost appreciate that too because there is a—I don't want to call it a humility. I don't like to think fear, but that's—I guess what it is. Because I don't want people to be afraid. That's, you know, that's not good. But it's like a I don't know. Sword. Yeah, it's—it's it's got its ups and downs to me for the people to have that availability to do that.
1: No, you're exactly right, man. Like, like sometimes, like I'll—I'll I'll see these arguments, right? And because I, I try to not engage in any the Twitter beast, Facebook, Instagram. Like, I try to not engage in like the the bullshit anymore. But, well, like, I'll see things, and I'll see two people going at it, and I'll be like, well, you're kind of both wrong. But, but like, that mob mentality, like, everybody swarms person B while praising person A, while person A is just as equally as wrong as person B. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. l- like last night, like, I watching the fights, like, this is probably the best example ever, like, watching the fights, uh, and then getting on Twitter afterwards, like, seeing people disagree about a fight, uh, A... I like it because, like, I'm in the fight business, like, truthfully. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I have another, yeah. a separate podcast just dedicated to fighting, and, like, I coach MMA. Like, so, for me, um, like, I like seeing people engaged in, like, actual conversation about scoring and actually, like, engaging about, uh, like, striking or, or, or grappling sequences. But when both people are wrong, then you have this kind of thing where, like, you're right. Like, it's like a mob mentality. Like, yes, men will follow one person – and just completely shit on the other one. That's what I don't like. It's like on social media, like one person has to be wrong and the other person has to be right. You know what I'm saying? People can't just like have this uh, let's agree to disagree kind of mindset. You know what I'm yeah. saying?
2: Well, it it feeds back into an ego. Like I'm, I'm all powerful now because A, you can't touch me. And B, I can just block you. I can mute you. If you don't agree with me and you don't stroke my ego – I can get you right out of here, and now I'm that much more powerful because your voice does n- not exist in my universe anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, I kind of like that reasoning. Now you're, man. I, I don't like the the entire ego that social media has give people or gave yeah, people. Sorry, all my English, all my English uh, lit uh, majors are gonna be like kicking my ass later. But yeah, I don't. I don't like the ego that that social media has gave people because a it's almost like it's borderline psychotic that we spend this much time and this much uh like dedication to like quote unquote like building a brand you know what i'm saying and we yeah. care about things there's like a study like where when you get likes and like you get interacted with like it boosts like the dopamine in your in your body like that's so yeah crazy bro
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's so crazy like i absolutely hate the fact that we put so much power and so much thought into social media but at the same time like like I know, like I know, saying this, like people are gonna be like, "Oh, well, you're on social media all the time." I really am, bro. Like it's like a it's like a drug almost.
2: Yeah, I you know, and I so it's part of the reason I think that I don't I don't talk about a lot of serious shit on social media very often. Anyone that knows me knows it's just a lot of dick jokes. Um, and once in a blue moon, I might I might speak up about something I give a fuck about. But you and I are talking about this a recording too, you know, I if it's something I feel passionately passionately about, I will address it personally. I will not address it in something that I view as fake and something that I don't fully have my faith in. And also, again, go I with me using social media for just funnies, haha's, you know, I don't wanna put something that I personally deeply believe next to that because now both are a joke.
0: Yeah, yeah it I, it, I it like doesn't that.
2: it doesn't make it doesn't make my dick jokes like empowering and serious it makes my serious stance just a dick joke and I can't allow that for the people that I may be standing up for or the belief I may be standing up for in my life to be cheapened by my other behavior already more than it already might i
1: like i like that stance and and so I told you before the podcast got started, like, I wasn't really trying to talk about it, but uh, this, this week, I, I spoke on uh, Facebook and on Instagram and, and Twitter about the Breonna Taylor situation, and now, like, in retrospect, like, you're exactly right, bro, because, like, I don't take social media very serious at all, right, and so when I do, it's for things like this, but because I post so many, like, so many memes and so many, um, like, I am kind of like, like, I feel like, in a way, my profile is, like, where people go to, like, have a laugh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now and now yeah. they're coming to my profile and they're seeing this like it almost makes them not take it as serious. Like yeah, co- and that's yeah, go ahead. You know what,
2: this is why it's one of the, this is something that I really, really respect about comedians and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna phrase it terribly, but you know, you, you will see I, I honestly believe the people that change the landscape for commentary more than anybody are comedians. Um through any type of take they might have politically, socially, anything like that you know you those are voices that we hear a lot with a lot more respect and dignity than we do any news reporter and um, and any politician anything like that and it always seems like you take like George Carlins who always had these really intelligent removed and scathing takes on society and um, they're always right they're always correct and I wish I could find a way to articulate this thought a little bit better but um, you know, being able to pair side-by-side that comedy with the reality of whatever serious event you have is a true art, and it's truly important because the information exchanged, the contrast between the comedy and the the, uh, severity, is, it resonates with people. And I, I, uh, yeah, like I said, I really wish I could find a better way to articulate that. Yeah, I I completely Um,
1: understand what you're saying. It's it's one of those things where... uh, Man, like look at like Doug Stanhope, right? Like Doug Stanhope's this guy, he's like a no nonsense, like he'll he'll cut everybody down uh, yeah you know, while he's you know while he's riffing, you know, that's just kinda of part of his act. But he also like when he believes in something, like he'll say it flat out. You know who's actually the better example, better than Doug Stanhope? It's Dave Chappelle. You know?
2: So that was what I was gonna say, what was I can't remember what what was the name of his very last special that oh, came it? out? It was eight minutes and forty six seconds, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yes. It that was, was right the name after, of it. Yeah, right after the George Wood thing. Yeah, so that was the, if I recall right, and I really hope I do because I I don't want to do a disservice, but yeah, it it was called 8 minutes and 46 seconds, and if you, you know, anyone who hasn't watched that, I suggest sitting down and watching it because if you're expecting Dave Chappelle to get up there and tell jokes, it's not jokes, and I think I laughed once the entire time. But but the same way that it wasn't jokes, it was still Dave Chappelle because all he has ever done, if you watch every stand-up from him as far back as I can remember, he is only telling you stories. He is only recounting experiences. And he did that in that last special too. He was only recounting experiences. So he did not stray from his character at all. And I don't mean character as in all this big, um, made-up thing. I mean his character, his, integ- his his as a person of integrity and in what he stands by. He did not change for this special.
1: But you know, a lot of people think that's why he went away for a couple of years is because he 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 felt very strongly in his beliefs about something. And he stood by and, and yeah, for him to, you're exactly right. He he only tells stories, and it's you know, from what we know, they're very true stories the last special eight minutes 46 or uh 846 it was eight minutes 46 seconds long where he talked about the george the george floyd situation sorry and uh you're right like if you've not watched it like you're doing a disservice to yourself like you have to go watch that but it's it's one of those things like we need more voices like that talking about these about these matters and and more people more people just talking right because like i feel like me and you kind of grew up in this generation where like our parents like talking wasn't um uh, like I guess uh, I don't want to say like frowned upon, but it was like different, you know what I'm saying the communication between my parents as opposed to like me like just in these couple of generations like it's mind blowing how much it's changed
2: so you're you're ninety five right yes okay, so i've found this i try i i've I've talked about it for a while now i've really tried to think about it, and I've noticed the difference in the nineties babies and it feels like um, like 94 and up is where a, a shift kind of happens to where like, I feel like 90s babies were the first generation to start going like, hey, some of that shit that we were taught and learned was kind of fucked up kind of weird, yeah. and, and it, not all, but some of us kind of get like, I can look back at some shit that I, you know, the way I behaved Late teens, things I believed, and I can look back, which I should do, you know, it's growth as a human, but I I can look back and be like, no, these behaviors were patterns that have been taught to people historically as as okay, and, you know, this is how we should behave, and this is how we can treat people, and, like, and and then you get towards the mid-90s, and you find a lot more where they'll talk about, um, you know, as they've aged, it's it's became more okay to talk about your emotions and your mental health, and 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 continue to you know, oh hey, wait, he's gay. That's not wrong. Stop calling him the f word. You know, like you, we found a lot of these social changes started happening, um, and you know, obviously as you get later in the '90s, and then we have a more liberal. I hate even using that word, but you know, we have a more liberal crowd, a more understanding, open, and kind of conscious crowd around. A lot of these social issues, these emotional issues, mental health, um, addiction, um, all the every social injustice you can you can think of. You know, they they really started with the '90s, babes, and it's interesting to watch where like the brackets kind of fall because there is a distinct difference. I remember I was uh, again younger years. I was still uh, I, I've stopped using the F word because I understand the uh, how damaging it can be to people. But there was a time when that was. Quite a common word out of my mouth and uh i saw an empty box of zima sitting somewhere and i was laughing you know I'm like ha, 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 zima and this this young man who's born in like 95 he's looking at me, he's like i don't get it and i was trying to explain to him why zima's funny and i realized in that moment like oh yeah i'm you know i'm being a bigot right now <laughs> you know like i was like it's from a time when saying the f word was funny geez oh Pete's, <laughs> and you know it's like it, but it, it was like it clicked with me i was like oh man I am like, this is a, a damaging behavior that people would talk about. You know, I'm wrong here. I'm the villain.
1: Well, no, I, I like your stance on this because I'm, I'm honestly under the same impression that. Uh, so, oh, hold on. What year were you born? You're ninety-one.
2: Rude. I'm old enough, young man. Don't you worry about that. Old no.
1: So. <laughs> no, I'm a uh, uh, uh,
2: 1990.
1: Okay. 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 Yeah, So. I'm under the impression that somewhere within the 90s, like, whenever we were born, like, we did cause, like, this social shift. I hate saying we, like, like there's a fucking movement. But, but there is, like, a, a little bit of a social shift where we're learning that, like, just because we've been taught these behaviors our entire life doesn't mean we have to follow them. And so, yeah. like, as a parent now, like, I'm learning, like, I'll say things, bro, and I'm like, oh, that's my dad talking. And it's, like, kind yeah. of funny to me, like, funny things that I'll say. And I'm like, oh, that's my dad talking. So, like, it's not all bad. But we have been taught a lot of things, by like these teachers and these – Uh, hell like even celebrities bro people in your family whatever we've been taught all these weird things and we're starting to realize like hey not all this is right like you i don't want to say like there's like a like an offensive kind of like culture or whatever but like you don't want to offend people like like i know me bro like i'm i'm like a like i'm low-key like a hippie bro like, I just yeah. want everybody to, to... I mean, I love violence. Like, I love MMA. And, and, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I love yeah. violence. But, but I just want everybody to get along and nobody to fuck with each other. You know what I'm saying? Like
2: Yeah, let's just not be dicks to each other. Let's just try real hard to be cool, you know?
1: Yeah, but then there's, like, the liberal approach. And I hate using that word, too. But there's a liberal approach where they're like, oh, cancel this, cancel that, cancel that. So I hate cancel culture. But I also, I truly hate knowing that sometime in my early life, before I realized... Like what I know now, like I was using the F word, like I was offending people. You know what I'm saying? Like so, at least we're making this conscious shift where we understand and we're growing as uh, a society. Yeah, you know, I
2: mean, oh, go ahead. No, I'll let you finish yours. But
1: but what I'm saying, like I hate this liberal culture where they're oh, uh, like like the cancel culture. Like I absolutely hate that. Or I I even hate the ideology, like oh, orange man bad. You know, when it comes to Trump, and I, I hate talking about politics. But I will say this. I hate the fact that so many people automatically, like they hate Donald Trump f- because everybody else does. You know what I'm saying? Like it's almost like, yeah. like we're in this cancel culture, but we're also like in this bandwagon culture too, where people don't understand why they they dislike people or things. They just automatically oh, so some guy on Twitter or some guy on Tumblr posted this, so yeah. I'm gonna follow that ideology.
2: I'll I'll touch that this real short because I don't wanna get political either, but just, you know, orange orange man bad. I like I, and I don't know if it came off when I spoke to you earlier, but I don't like celebrity culture, I don't like our obsession with celebrities, and what did we vote? We voted a celebrity into the White House. What did this celebrity embody, though, as a personality? Now, people gotta understand, like, he's, he's you know, an 80s businessman from New York, he's abrasive when he talks, I can deal with that shit, that doesn't matter to me. But, what does matter is that he is, every joke that other nations have had about Americans being big, dumb blowhards, what do we do? We put the embodiment of it. We put a celebrity with a loud mouth as the head of our culture, and it's, it's it could have been any 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 celebrity with a big mouth in there. It's not just a Donald Trump thing. It's literally anything. It, we 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 not stereotyped, but we t- <laughs> typecast ourselves. I guess I don't know. I, I guess I don't have a good word like we, for it. Like but
1: we fit the bill.
2: Yeah, we we proved everyone right essentially, but. Um, going back, oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I was just going to well, add on to
1: what you were saying. Like it's, it, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Like we, people have this assumption about us, and then like we just continuously make it true. And it's, it's not yeah. only because of Donald Trump, but it's because we have more fast food per capita than anywhere. Like we have more yeah. fast food. Like our, our entire day-to-day basis revolves around a cell phone and a television, like reality TV, and we're just uh,
2: luxuries. Yeah, luxuries. We're, we're
1: just slowly chipping away at what at one point could have been uh, um, a civilized and culturized society, we're just slowly chipping away, adding fucking reality TV and Big Macs to the point where, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, we're just, and not to to offend anybody, but at the same time, I don't give a fuck. Like, if you're just sitting around watching reality TV and you're just eating Big Macs, like, you can't say, oh, Orange Man bad, because now you're part of the problem.
2: Yeah, you're Fat Man bad. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, Not Kind of, kind of, (laughs) <laughs> uh, flashing back a little bit to, to piggybacking off like that cancel culture and um us learning like change behaviors my favorite one uh my favorite topic that really flared up and i'd be interested to see your your thoughts on this i think i i think i kind of know where your headspace would be at but we get that term toxic masculinity and like every dude in the world was just oh my god i'm not allowed to be a man it's like no you are but you like just fucking catcalling every fucking woman you see, making other people uncomfortable because you want to pound your chest and have the biggest dick in the room. That's the fucking problem. Use your masculinity for good things. Build up a stronger stronger generation of young men. Lead by example, lead by courage and integrity. Not by trying to impress the boys or trying to smash as much poon as you possibly can just for a conquest thing. Don't damage people in your wake with your masculinity. Use it to empower people.
1: I agree 125 percent bro. I was raised around women, bro. Like like yeah. like my dad taught me like at a young age like hey, you respect women. Hey, you respect people around you. You know, my my grandma and grandpa, and, you know, I made a post about this. My grandma and grandpa, you know, my my mom and grandpa taught me respect, honor, dignity. My dad did too, man. But I had a lot of female cousins and yeah. I had a, I had, you know, two adopted sisters, you know, like like I've literally and then two nieces, you know, at a young age, I had two nieces, bro. It's like I've constantly been around women to the, to the point where I know, okay, it's it's not even, like, about toxic masculinity. It's about this mindset, bro, where, like, catcalling is fucking wrong, bro. And it's not only that. Yeah. It's disgusting, and it's, like, desperate.
2: Well, and you know what? That's another one of the behaviors I had to learn um, as I got older because I – as I was younger, I used to do that shit all the time. And I got older, I was like, man, this shit is wrong. Like, I need to change my behavior. And I'm just – I would like to say I'm perfect on some of these be- – now, there's a lot of them I have curbed, you know, the the boy talk and shit like that. You know, I, I've kind of curbed that. But, like, it's like I'm still finding behaviors that I need to change in there.
1: It's, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm with you on the fact that we do need to use this masculinity to teach these, these oncoming generations, you know, teach them about woodworking, about carpentry, teach them how to weld, teach them how to change a tire, bro. Change them – or teach them how to change um, – Batteries, you know, on cars. Because there's a lot of people like, like these skills are being kind of lost behind for this new digital age of, of people. I hate to use the term, but these kind of like liberal people coming up, and and they're, uh, oh, well, somebody else will do it for me. Oh, somebody else will do it for me. No, no, use use your quote unquote your, your masculinity to teach things like that. Teach them how to defend themselves. Teach them how to shoot a gun. How to kill their own food if they need. But at the same time, teach them respect to where they know. Okay, when you're around elders, you know, respect your elders. When you're in front of a woman, you know, don't don't be going on and on and on about all that that guy talk, you know, that locker room talk and shit. You know what I mean? There's yeah. there's a fine line between like like toxic masculinity and like like being a dick. You know what I yeah. mean? You know what I mean? Like just don't be a dick. Like that's that should be my podcast motto. Just don't be a dick. <laughs>
2: hey hey man, that's I think that honestly, I think it's a good motto. That that's a mantra everyone should uh live by. There's actually a painting on my wall right now that um, my friend Ashley made. I had told her several years back that, oh man, you should get back into painting. You know, you, it seemed like you really liked it. You were good at it. And, um, I had hosted a Christmas that year, and uh, as far as I understand it, it's the first time she had put brush to canvas in a long time. And you know what it is? A fucking big painting of a bunch of cactuses that says, a bunch of cacti that says, don't be a prick. I'm like, oh, you bitch.
1: That's, that's, <laughs> like, that's excellent. That's, that's, that's pretty perfect, though. <laughs>
2: I have to. I look at it every morning when I put on my boots. I put it. I put it intentionally on the wall where I. I, I sit down and put my boots on. So I walk into my day thinking, "Don't be a prick."
1: I am like I fit this bill where politically I'm. I'm very libertarian. You know, I. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in guns. I believe in the legalization of marijuana. I believe in being as free from government as you possibly can be. Yeah. Um, to the point where I'm almost. I don't. I don't. To the point where I'm, I'm almost like just like a hillbilly. You know what I'm saying? Like if I could, I would. I would oh yeah. I would, I would, I would <laughs> yeah. unplug.
2: I, I called you that from the get-go, man. Dude,
1: I would, I would unplug in a heartbeat, bro. But, but I'm also, you gotta think like I was, I was raised by. Hey, uh, I'm like an Appalachian American, bro. I was raised in the Appalachian Mountains, where, in a way, like my way of life, like growing up, it was a little bit slower than like. Like I'm in Florida now, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a lot yeah. slower than city life. So I was taught these things, like like respect for others, and I was taught like like respect for women. You know, I like, I was taught that stuff at, like an early age, and so yeah. I I completely understand when other people weren't raised like that. You know what I'm saying? Because I am yeah. from like truly like a different way of life, like to a yeah. point where Appalachian America is almost like its own little like its own little country. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like I completely understand, and I don't ever. Like, I don't look down on people like that. I just try to say, because I'm now in this position where, like, you know that J. Cole song, Middle Child, where he says, I'm little bro and big bro all at once? Like, that's, that's where I'm at, bro. Like, yeah, at this point in my life, like, I am. Like, I'm little bro and big bro at the same time. So, like, I use, I use my, like, stance or, like, my uh, like, my position, like, as a human in this world. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be a dick to you. I'm just going to try to help you understand why these things are wrong. And I feel like we need yeah. more, like more people doing that, bro. Like, don't be scolding people. Don't don't embarrass people in front of everybody. Just take them to the side, bro. Just say, hey, uh, you know that that shit you're doing, whistling at every girl that walks by, or you know that's that, that makes them feel uncomfortable, bro. You gotta think of other people, or even you know when people are, are using like derogatory terms, like, hey, bro, like like you don't you wouldn't like that shit about your family or yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just is these conversations that people don't want to have, bro. Because I don't know if like they're afraid of confrontation. Like, I love confrontation, bro. Like truth, like truly, like I love confrontation. But
2: I've been pol- I've been polarizing my whole life. I won't say that I like confrontation, but I definitely don't like. I just don't like going with everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind, <laughs> I, of, I, I, kind of a rebel. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know, man. I just think it's yeah. I mean, you know, some of that's just mentoring. You know, we do need to mentor our our. our our youngers and the people around us. We need to mentor the folks around us too. I just I think we need to use our voices appropriately and we need to understand how I, understand I guess
1: nothing's gonna change unless we make it. You know? Yeah.
2: Dude people are gonna listen to this episode and be like, where's the funnies at? <laughs> they're gonna, <laughs> this they're the gonna, most, they're gonna this listen the most boring be, guest in the world. <laughs> they're
1: gonna listen, they're gonna be like, Wow, Josh is a- fucking hippie he's a liberal dude i hate i hate the liberal mindset i hate i hate i mean i don't want to say i hate liberals because i'll probably lose some fans but i dislike them <laughs> <laughs> I, but I'm, I'm just saying like treat everybody the way you want to be treated bro like i'm like i'm just like an old school hillbilly like hippie kind of dude and i'm telling you just treat everybody right bro like shit would go so much better if everybody just smoked weed shotguns, and just chilled
2: yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, or drink, I mean, drink it is whiskey, a, you know? It is, it is a pretty simple, well, it might cause more problems, you know. <laughs> I won't say the old, the old uh, whiskey ain't ever got me in a scuffle or two. Oh,
1: man, I've not been in a bar fight
2: in years. Ah. Hey, you got your, got your cores by you?
1: I do, man, I do, yeah.
2: Right, let's do a little cheers. We ain't All done right. one of them in, in quite some years.
1: I'm holding it up to the, uh, the computer and... Boom.
2: All right, I, Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, so I uh,
1: I remember, I remember one of my favorite things out in Arizona was you waking me up with that bottle of Soco at Jack Daniels.
2: <laughs> I used to tap on your door with it. I remember that was how I'd knock. God. No, you know what? I was just looking at a picture the other day, scrolling through, and it, it sucks because it's so fucking blurry. But this is back when you had the man bun and everything, and you had to check your reflection in every uh, mirror we went past. We uh, it hold it on, was hold the, on, it
1: hold on pause. Okay. okay. Good good hair care doesn't take any time off,
2: bro. I listen, my hair looks fucking great and I don't have to double check it at all. I just know it does its thing. Let
1: me tell you, dude. Good hair care. Dude, when I had my long hair, oh bro. Bro, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad, bro. I was constantly messing with it. Oh, uh, I
2: What's, can only imagine.
1: What picture did you find Was it me and you at the bar? Or me and you yeah, out so- out in the desert?
2: It was, it was the day that me, you, Nadastip, and uh, I think Christmas, we all went to downtown Phoenix, and then we we, we watched the baseball practice. And um, and then you and I just ended up wandering around. And then we ended up at that little, uh, I think it was like an Italian place, and I wanted yeah. to drink, and you weren't 21 yet. But yeah, it was one of them. <laughs> it was just a good, quick, candid picture, but it was blurry, man. And I, I always look at it because I love that picture. Dude, you got to see them. Bro,
1: I know which one you're talking about.
2: I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll hunt it down. Actually, I think it's probably in my profile pictures, To be honest with you, I could, I could hunt it down pretty quick. After we get off this, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send that over. But I, uh, so I, I, piggybacking off that, I didn't know because I've never used Clean Feet or anything like that, so I didn't know what to expect. So I'm sitting here like right now on my on my love seat. I'm looking pretty fucking good right now. I didn't know if there'd be like a visible <laughs> aspect to this, but I'm sitting here like man.
1: Dude, so I had a. <laughs> email on not too long ago she's a uh um uh, a sex worker uh who typically does a lot of her business online and she done she done the exact same thing she was like oh i, I was getting everything set up i was getting ready i was like yo it, it was just audio like I'm i'm literally in sweatpants right now bro <laughs> it it makes people more comfortable doing it this way bro like i wanted to do the like the whole video aspect to it but it just makes people more comfortable just, you know, knowing that they don't have to get dressed up, you know. It's just like an hour or so of your time and, and you know.
2: Oh, that, man. I'm up. Yeah, I'm even wearing one of my, uh, so one of my best friends uh, growing up, well, I shouldn't see, say growing up, my, my, my friend Josh Connick, who is my brother, my lifelong hetero life uh, life mate, his younger brother. Um, he So he works out. I mean like nonstop. kid's a freaking tank. Um he does powerlifting competitions or I believe he still does. I um, mean he started up just trying to do his small like clothing line and everything and uh I'm wearing his uh Happy Lifter shirt right now and it's it is the I don't know what exactly the blend is, but it is the most comfortable freaking shirt I've ever worn in my life. And uh it, he based the whole brand around, you know, everything involving lifting is like aggressive and angry and stuff. He's like, "Dude, he's like, I have fun when I lift. Like I'm happy." So he kind of just based it all around that concept, which sounds kind of hokey, but, dude, I love that. Because back when I used to work, and I need to get back into it, back when I used to work out all the time, it wasn't about this big brawny, I-need-to-be-alpha-bull-and-aggressive kind of bullshit. Like, no, I had fun. I enjoyed it. So um, that's my plug there for uh, Ryan Connick and Happy Lifter. If anybody wants some super, super comfortable fucking clothing, uh, he's got it locked down.
1: Dude, you're going to have to send me one. I'm, I'm a little bit of the opposite, bro. I... I love lifting weights, but for some reason, like I got to get angry before I go in there. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to be completely spent by the time I leave. Yeah, and, and it's like the no. same way with like jujitsu and muay thai, bro. Like if I don't leave practice like covered in sweat, I'm well, like...
2: that's a little more fi- Well, I guess it's not a little more physical, but there's fighting. There's a uh, there is a. It's I like I, a I mean I, aspect I to it. yeah there's I don't want to say like a fight or flight response kicks in, but you know you you got to have going into that where actually there's another human element involved i'd imagine um that you have to have a level of um not aggression but out of the yeah you You have to tap into something i i I guess i i'm the idiot here you're the expert here i I shouldn't what you're trying
1: what you're trying to say is is because there's another person like you don't want to know that you didn't give it your all it's kind of like is that what you're getting at
2: uh, I guess, I, I mean, I, I, I guess it's going back to the to the aggressive side of it, it is, um, since there is another person, I think it is a, I think it is a, just a biological reaction for your body to kind of just snap into that, um, that mode where you might not be mad, oh, but I, I you, you have a heightened, you have a heightened sense of like, um, I don't know, I guess it is like a fight-or-flight response should kick in, you know, because, well, if he grapples me, I need to get out of it. You know, whereas if I pick up a weight, I just need to lift it.
1: Have you ever seen those videos of, like, the, like the car rolls over and, like, the little old ladies, like, pick them up?
2: <laughs> no. I, I'd love to see your fucking Google search history, though.
1: <laughs> it's like a, it, like, the, the one that I'm thinking of, like, you can YouTube it. It's like a car rolls over in front of this old woman. And she can yeah. hear, she can hear like a child like crying in the car, and so it's like somehow like her fight or flight made her have the strength to like lift it enough to yeah.
2: Women are incredible. I you, which, uh, yeah. I mean i yeah, a man would have done that too in, in that that experience I don't know some something, something about a child crying and and it being an old lady just resonated with me but <laughs> right. women are incredible well, you were raised by your your grandparents, so you know you, you, I'm sure you probably have nothing but respect for your grandma that's i i to this day uh my grandma is the most terrifying but loving person that I could ever imagine. We used to yeah. call her the don
1: Dude, oh yeah grand- we used to call- my grandma used to get perms all the time bro
2: no my my grandma was kind of like uh Unofficial security at one of the bars in town, and my friends all called her the Don because she'd always set up these uh, um, probably less than legal tasks for us to accomplish for, and she always had alibis for us to get out of them and everything. And <laughs> I learned, so we used to have this relationship to where, like, if I if I came into town, this is back when you know I go back to Ludington every summer, I always stopped to see her first, no matter what, no matter what was going on, I would stop in. Grandma, I'm in town. This is my plan. And i tell her exactly what I was doing because she just had me conditioned that way. Mm-hmm. And she never cared what I was doing so long as I told her honestly what was up. And when I was younger, I was like, Man, my grandma really loves me. She trusts me. And as I got older, I understood that she was up to no good too. So if she knew what I was doing, she could plan her alibi for what she was up to <laughs> around me. And I, it took me a long time to figure that out. But she was she was a, a clever, clever woman.
1: Well, there's kind of like this mindset too like like you being completely and brutally honest with her like about where you were at or like what you were doing like she always knew like if you called her like she knew where you were at you know what I'm saying yeah, like if she, you ever needed she, her like she could always she had an you.
2: exit strategy for everything yeah
1: dude do, do, do you not do that
2: I, I have an aspect of it I won't say that I've got it mastered quite like she did but I have this um, really
1: weird fear where like I can't have my back to a door if I'm sitting in like a public restaurant
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. See, I'm trying to think back to, how, to like when we'd go out and eat when we were when we were working together, but I do I'll find I'll actually find really weird obscure spots to sit, partially to fuck with the people I'm with. Like if, if I get to pick the seat first, you're going to come find me. Right, so but on, I, a, I on the found, flip side, i
1: just found that photo of me and you sitting at the bar and literally yeah. I'm I'm sitting like you're sitting like in front of me and I'm like kind of like to the left side of you. The door mm-hmm. was to the right, so I could perfectly see the door from where we're sitting.
2: Yeah. Dude, well, the, get... la- the layout of that place is kind of a straight line anyways, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I, I know what you're talking about, because I'll, I will do that, like, if, if I sit in a booth, I sit in the corner of the booth, yeah. so I can see, and there's nothing back, you know, there's no way for me to get flanked, really. I'm not trying to get like, soprano <laughs> Yeah, like, I can see what's happening, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I've, I've, I've kind of been that way uh, most of my life.
1: Dude, do you remember that day we got lost in the hood of Phoenix? Remember we had, we had the company vehicles, me you, me you. Christian. That was that oh, was that day. Yeah, bro, we got lost in the hood, bro.
2: And then I had and then I had to take well, so that was funny because I had told you guys cuz remember we got them free shirts from wherever the fuck we were at. And then Ooh, I gave mine to a yeah. I gave mine to that homeless dude and then we were um I gave mine to that homeless guy and then we were walking and I told you guys, "Don't follow me. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going somewhere." Bro, they, and they had uh, the
1: dogs in the cages.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then I, so I remember when we left too, we got in the van and I had to take a leak. I remember telling the gossip, dude, I have to pee real bad. And he pulled off and like, it was, it, I don't, it wasn't even, I don't know what it was, but it was like this little offshoot of the main road and just outside of a gated community, but it linked back up to where you could pull right back out on the main road and there was nothing there. But he pulled off there and I remember taking a leak. We got back in and then Josh pulled into some like cul de sac because we thought it was a road. And there were houses with, like, boarded up windows, and he was freaking out. I'm like, it's fine. We're okay, man.
1: <laughs> Me and you were just like, yo, dude, it's perfectly fine. And Nadastip's like, bro, what the fuck is this?
2: He, Yeah, but he was he was panicky about that stuff. He'd never been around that kind of...
1: Dude, Josh was cool, man. I really... I appreciate his attitude now, like, being removed. Like, Josh and Nadastip is, like, one of the coolest dudes ever, like, because he's just so chill. But he just, like, he relaxes, like, all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't, like...
2: I never, I never met... Well, well, yeah, okay. We I yeah. I tell you some of them stories off camera, but no, no, or, I remember uh, now. But um, no, but he, he like I I give him this. There, if you ever need money saving tips, that guy is. I've never met anyone so good at saving money other than him. But um,
1: you know what I thought was really cool was like every night, him and all of his friends would have like a Skype call too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I so I I roomed with him um towards the end of my time in Phoenix. And it was, it was cool in the way that going from like, so Joe and I, you know, we were, we, we would both work like 15, 16 hour days. And then we would come back to the hotel we wouldn't say a word to each other and people would be blown away. They'd be like, why don't you guys like each other? I'm like, no man, I just spent 15 hours at work with Joe. Him and I, we don't have to say anything. And Joe would like, Joe would play video games and I would watch it. play, it was usually like uh, the Witcher three was big at the time. And then, uh, One of the Metal Gear games that came out. Both series that are awesome. But I would watch those and I'd be watching like Parks and Rec on my computer or catching up on Game of Thrones. And then if we'd go out and get food together. But then like going, um, going in a room with Josh, Josh was, because like mine and Joe's room is pretty messy. It was, you know, him and I were just kind of cool with whatever was happening, you know. But then like Josh is so. He was, uh, everything was very neat and orderly and tidy, and I would get back from work, and he'd usually gotten out before me, and it would be pitch black in the hotel room, except for the light on his computer, and he'd be playing games as, you know, with all his friends back home, and uh, I would come in, try and be quiet, I'd take my boots off and change, and then, you know, I had that affinity for sitting in the hotel lobby. And he would, you know, he would stop and, hey, man, I'm getting some food. you want something? Oh, no, thank you. No, I'm good. And then he just, all right, cool. And then he would just go right on about his business, you know. Um, it was it was an interesting dynamic shift between Josh and Joe in that, right, that, well, I guess some of it was just from, like, the chaos and untidiness of me and Joe, just to the orderliness and structure that Josh has.
1: Josh was but, so put together, and Joe was just like, oh, whatever happens, happens.
2: I mean, I, I, I was the same way, though. Like, I respect – I, I – I, Pretty low maintenance. Like I could respect whatever people's boundaries were, and like Joe, like my, right now I'm looking around my apartment, and it's not like messy, but it definitely, it definitely looks like a single dude lives here, you know.
1: I felt so bad rooming with Logan because Logan worked second shift, and I'd be drunk as fuck walking in there, just waking him <laughs> up all hours of the night. <laughs> oh,
2: man. Dude, yeah.
1: Do you remember when we we got the little the little thirty dollar grill and put it on the balcony? vaguely the California boys
2: Um, oh uh, yeah I'm
1: trying to think of their names bro I'm so bad with names
2: there was one that was a total piece of shit so if we don't remember his name I'm good with it
1: bro, dude uh, Eric and uh, gosh whatever dude we bought this little $30 grill from Walmart and started grilling on the balcony but the hotel found out and got pissed bro
2: I so I always think back to that river float like if I really think back to like us and our group of friends and everybody that was that that we all kind of hung around, I think about that river float. And then when me and you got lost in the desert, <laughs> and because uh, I was looking for a cactus, man, I wanted to take a picture. Uh, I wanted to take a picture with a cactus for my sister because I knew that like she wanted a picture of like a real deal fucking cactus and how big they were.
0: So and then,
2: big. dude, gigantic. And then you, and then uh, I remember we went back down by the river. With everybody, and then somebody upriver had like, they had fucking ate shit on the rapids that we had ate shit on, and uh, oh. all their beer, all their beer floated downriver, and we snagged <laughs> it all up and refilled our coolers and took the fuck back off.
1: Dude, so for anybody listening in Phoenix, there's a, there's a, the Salt River, right? How many miles? Yeah, that's like yeah. four miles.
2: I don't remember, but I know there were three rapids, and the third one beat the shit out of us.
1: I'm pretty sure there was like a little like a little sign that like it was like tubes this way kayaks this way and i'm pretty sure we went down the kayak side but everybody followed us so when me and john wiped out at the bottom like me and john like our entire friend wiped out after you know we shouldn't have went this <laughs> way everybody followed us so me and john uh there's a six foot tall guy named justin christmas like we're all standing in the middle of this river just catching everybody's beers putting them in our cooler me and justin got a pack of unopened pringles bro do you remember that
2: Yeah, so I'm going to interject here because I want to tell this before we talk about getting back to everybody else. Um, So just a couple weeks prior, we had all went to fucking B-dubs to watch the fights. And there was a Brazilian dude and an American dude that fought. And the American guy beat the fuck out of the Brazilian guy. And I remember shouting, USA! USA! And the next thing you know, there was an entire B-dubs chant of USA going on. For everybody so, listening,
1: it was Chris Weidman versus Vitor Belfort. This is 2015, bro. Chris Weidman came out to Tom Petty, and it was over, bro.
2: Yeah, it was amazing. So well, when we were trying to find our way back to the group, um, while we walked through the desert, and they just kind of casually kept floating on, we started I, – I, I, it, it was either me or it was um, one of the guys still floating – uh I, I can't remember his damn name. Lee, I think it was Lee Shafter. Somebody was shouting from one of the two of us was shouting, "USA!" And then they echo located it back to us and that's how we found each other.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
2: Dude,
1: we were so drunk on that river, bro. Dude, Christmas had like second degree burns from the the sun, bro.
2: I had to, so I my I put sunscreen on everything but my legs. My legs were actually swollen up. Like if you microwave a hot dog and you see where it's about to swell before it pops, <laughs> oh, those are my legs. Like they people actually had to help me stand up at work for the next like week because it, it hurt so bad physically I could not Bruh, put the strain on my legs. To, I like, like I was sh- the
1: only one smart enough to just bring sunscreen. And then I tried to give it to you guys and you're like, oh, you, you're a pussy. I was like, all right, whatever. So you guys are like I, all hating it the next day and I was like, yo, I'm good.
2: I wore it, I wore it everywhere but my legs, but I didn't reapply it, it was my pro- I, You know, in my head, I put it on once, it's waterproof, okay, it's good. It's yeah. not doing its job at this point.
1: I had shorts with pockets, bro, and I literally, I just put my sunscreen in my pocket. I left my phone, because uh, you took the picture of us at the Cactus, I left my phone in the van, dude.
2: Yeah, so, I like, wanted, I wanted to take pictures of, like, everything.
1: I brought, like, a pack of cigarettes and, like, sunscreen, and that was it. We, we peed, we peed on that cactus before we took a photo of it
2: I remember walking through, so for anyone who's never been out in the desert, it's not just sunburnt dirt, no no, it is more it is, um, wait, everything you know. everything is pointy and wants to stab you, the bugs the plants, the rocks, the dirt, everything is sharp I hate it, well it is gorgeous but it fuck everything stabs you, it's incredible
1: dude, did you, did you go to the Grand Canyon with him?
2: Uh, I did the second trip to the Grand Canyon.
1: Bro, we got drunk and missed the first one then didn't we? Because they I left, was work, they left early when they, in the morning.
2: The first time they went, um I worked for second shift, or I worked on second shift, so I didn't get a chance to go. Everyone left before I was able to. The second time around, it was like me, Andrew Weber, um me, Andrew Weber, um Justin uh, Will, and God, why am I forgetting his name, uh, Isaac. And uh, we all went, so it was, we, we stopped in Flagstaff before, uh, on our way there, and we had, well, except for Justin, Justin was obviously responsible, he doesn't drink as often as we did, but, you know, we were drinking, and we stopped in uh, Flagstaff, and we were drinking some more, and having a good time, but well, we were trying to get back to the vehicle, and I uh, I said, hey man, I gotta take a leak, and I saw this gigantic hotel, I think it was the Monte Cristo Hotel. I said, I'm gonna go in there and take a leak real fast. I'll meet you guys. Keep in mind, I'm in like some basketball shorts, a Motley Crue shirt, and you know, covered in tattoos. And I I walk in, I take a leak, and I see this little like stairs that kind of descend down, and it's like this dark, dimly lit room. I go down there, and it's styled like an old speakeasy. And I'm like, sweet. So I, forgetting that there's you know a group of people waiting on me, I just go to the bar and I get an old fashioned. And then these uh, two very attractive uh, mid women in their mid-40s started talking to me because uh, they heard me order an old-fashioned, and they did not expect me to look like I did and be as polite and uh, order what I was ordering. So I'm talking to them, and they send Isaac in to get me because, of course, Isaac's big, tough, strong. He can just carry me out if I say no. Well, Isaac saw what I was doing, and he goes, oh, yeah, I can stay for a drink. And then they send freaking Andrew Weber in, who's like a uh, – he's a big puppy dog, you know, and he good. comes in. And he's like, "Hey guys, come on, you know we 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 got to get going." And me and Isaac are like, "Oh, come on, just have a drink with us, Andrew." Wait, and he's like, "Oh." Pause.
1: Andrew's like, Andrew's like half Canadian, so like he's automatically he's a hardcore drinker, bro. He's never gonna yeah. turn down a drink.
2: He never and he never had tequila until hanging out with me. Fun fact. So there's another story there, but that's that's a long one. But we so he's like, "Oh shucks, okay guys," and then so he stayed down there and drank with us. And then Will sent, came in there, and uh, Will at the time was still like 20 or 19 or something, and we're like, Will, get out of here, you're a minor, you can't hang out in here, And you, okay. And then finally Justin came in and was like, hey, I'm going to leave you guys in here if you don't get the fuck out. And we're like, yes sir. Because <laughs> we knew Justin wasn't bullshitting, he didn't give a fuck.
0: <laughs> Man,
2: we pounded I mean, our drinks and we we're were we out, we're good.
1: It sucked for me and Will because we were, we were so much younger than everybody else, we just had to depend on you guys to buy us drinks, but me and will uh we were like the designated drivers for for one weekend in uh in mesa or whatever everybody went out partying dude me and will went and posted up at this pizza shop dude and we literally ate like two pizzas by ourselves and just hung out so everyone else came to find us at the end of the night drunk as fuck dude and they're all like oh i'm hungry i'm hungry and by that time dude it was like 1 1 a.m i was tired i was like absolutely full and dude i ain't gonna lie i had to take a shit and I was like, yo, nobody's stopping to get food. I've got to go back to this hotel right now. You guys are just going to have to suck it up and eat out of the vending machine. Dude, I, I had yeah. to go, bro. When you got to go, you got to
2: go, dude. Hey, man, nature calls. Dude,
1: when you got to go, you got to yeah. go. Yeah.
2: No, I got to make my way down there and come see you guys one of these days. I I, I know. I'm, I mean, ask anyone that knows me, though. I'm really, really bad about that shit. I, I just I need to just take the time and do it. I'm bad about. Disconnecting and get myself away from work and not working. Um, I mean, even while we've been on this, on this, I've actually checked my email a couple times to see if there's any any action going on or anything I need to follow up on. So, it's something I need to get better at. But you know, I, I definitely need fuck fo- because we need more more of these uh more of these memories and moments. Dude, for
1: real, man. Justin has his own little farm, man, and I'm not too far behind him, bro. You're gonna have to come down and hang with us.
2: You know, every time I go back home, I feel like I'm always helping somebody, like, either uh, take care of some hogs or build a hog feeder or something like that, which is great, because, you know, I I um, I don't I can't take too many days off without going nuts anyways, so it's always cool. It's always little stuff, but it keeps me busy, but yeah. I am so, I mean, I guess getting back on track here, because the listeners are going to be like, what are these two idiots talking I know, about? Oh,
1: dude, I'm really good at this, dude. I just bounce around.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, these two are just jerking each other off now. Like, what's happening? Um... I mean, I, so I'm going through my notes, which, again, I'm terrible at taking notes. Uh, but I, got, I based these notes around that last episode I listened to, man. And, uh,
1: me, and me and one of my old friends, Jameis, man. So I'm, I'm glad you brought notes. What do you got for me?
2: So, you know, we already – it's kind of cool. We fell into uh, – I touched on the Spotify thing poorly. Was that, um, was that
1: you just, uh, like, scribbling?
2: Yeah. I, I'm scratching it off Hell or else I yeah. get lost, dude, all right? Dude. Creators are the content. Bonus so here's points a cool, for
1: you for actually writing it down and not typing it, bro.
2: So here's here's – I'm old school, baby. That's what I got. So uh, a funny thing is, though, uh, 90s babies and their behavior was on my list, but we kind of naturally fell into that, which is pretty cool. Um you know you said you wanted to talk about music a little bit and I had music and then like uh, men's mental health because when I heard you guys start talking about some of that stuff on the last podcast like that's I can't talk about sports very much I'm not very political I can't talk about politics very long men's mental health that's like that's something that I I can be passionate about. well mental health generally but in general, like, that's something I, I am passionate about that I do take seriously. And then music, of course. I mean, you guys get to see shitty videos of me noodling around on my guitar all the time. So. Oh, dude, I, I, mean.
1: I feel bad for you because you get the, the very shitty videos of me messing with the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Man, no, men's mental health is one of those things, bro, where, like, I try to talk about it as much as possible because not a lot of people are. Or the people that, that have these huge platforms, like, they just don't give that a platform, man. So that's, like, I don't take offense to it, but, like, I just kind of take it upon myself to, like, throw it out there. And, like, you've seen my post, bro, over the years. Like, hey, if anybody needs help, if anybody needs to talk, if anybody if anybody needs it, you know, I'm here. Like, I, yep. I don't want to say, like, I take pride in that, but, like, I kind of do because, like, I've had a lot of really introspective conversations with people who, like, I would never imagine would come to me for, like, their kind of mental uh like the the mental struggles that they go through bro and it just makes me feel like i'm doing like what i should be if people are coming to you know what i'm saying
2: yeah it you know it's i i do like that there's been a shift in the tone about it um even just um kind of going around even to like men being abuse abuse victims and things like that too but sticking with the mental health part of it it is um it has started to become more of a conversation um I, globally, when I say globally, I don't mean worldwide, but globally as far as like big picture, you know. Um, and I think, I think one of the, I don't know, I, I'm, I think one of the big things to me um, is that under, understanding the. Ah, uh, oh, we need to just uh, cut this whole fucking part where I'm blanking no, out. No, go no, ahead, dude, you're go ahead and carry it because I'm, I'm not a. I'm not piecing it well together in my head currently.
1: I, th- I think that when it comes to like men's mental health, like I think the toxic masculinity kind of gets in the way, but I also think that like uh, I,
2: I think th- the discussion around that helps it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I think it is
2: too Because I have an outlet now Other than violence and anger To get it out And again You know When I say violence I'm not thinking like Competitive You know Any type of MMA things I like I don't have to go Oh yeah You said something about this Well I'm gonna kick your ass now. No I can actually talk about things now I understand that my words Carry more weight Than they previously were thought to
1: You know what really Like what I really love man Is like the fact that like like I, I, like, I get to teach, uh, like, mixed martial arts, like, MMA. I, t- I teach mainly Muay Thai, like, striking, competitive Muay Thai, and I teach self-defense. Uh, and I, I'll teach self-defense to anybody, like, whether you want to compete, whether you want to just learn a hobby. Like, I'll teach you the self-defense aspects of Muay Thai, right? Yeah. And you would not believe, like, like people that I teach, uh, like, like, Muay Thai to, right, just hearing them talk about the confidence – That knowing how to like how to defend yourself uh like hearing them talk about the confidence that that gives them and then kind of watching them grow from like from that and so like i don't want to like i don't want to say oh everybody that's struggling needs to find an outlet like uh like you know like muay thai or whatever but i think that people um i i think that when you are dealing with something and you truly don't want to go to somebody else like i think there are outlets there And we just kind of fail to recognize those signs. And I remember when I was younger, dude, I would get super depressed. And, like, I had no idea what I was going through, bro. And so I would immediately just start drawing. You know what I mean? Like, I would start drawing, doodling. And then I started painting as I got kind of older. Um, And then that's actually kind of how I found, like, MMA. Like, I've I've told this story, like, a hundred times. Like, I had a friend was working for a promoter in West Virginia and they just last minute needed somebody to fight and that's like honestly like how I got into MMA like my dad had been into it my entire life but I never thought oh hey I'm gonna go compete like you know what I mean but uh, I found that and then I realized like this is my stress reliever like this is my um, like this is my like uh, like therapy I guess you know what I mean yeah so like when it comes to like men's mental health like we we typically fall into this pattern where we don't want to talk about things, and then we start, we immediately go straight to our outlet, right? And we think that because we are exercising these demons, like, through our outlet, that it's, like, all said and done. And, like, that's thats one of those conversations that I've been wanting to have for a while, but, like, you just—you can't just bring it up organically, you know what I mean? But, like, you kind of, like, or I'm sorry, you have to bring it up organically. You can't just force that into a conversation. And, and with me and you talking, like, it kind of did come up organically uh because there are a lot of people like within the mma community or even within the music community who don't want to talk about these things because they just don't know how bro like that's like the biggest thing is people don't know how to to confront these demons or how to talk about these things so they use their outlet and then what happens is like we have artists like mac miller bro like i'm going to use mac miller because mac miller is my all-time favorite artist mac miller didn't really talk about his demons he he wrote about them you know what i'm saying and he rapped about yeah he performed these songs and in turn, like, that was his therapy. But you always, man, you always, always need something so more than that to fall back on so you can truly you,
2: exercise. You need, you need a human connection. And so it's funny, okay, go, I'll, I'll end up an artist, but I'm going to rewind back uh, to Phoenix again. So while I was out there in Phoenix, a friend of mine back home, um, he had passed away. He shot himself uh, by a river. And, uh, you know, there's always people talking, oh, man, he was always so happy and funny. And someone said, eventually someone made the mistake of saying, well, I don't know if it's a mistake or not, but they made the mistake of saying it to me. And I said, no, he wasn't fucking happy. And that's why we're here. Because we don't listen to people when they speak. We don't pay attention to people when they speak. Because, so he, I, Justin Woods was a, incredible young man. I won't claim to be his best buddy or anything like that. He was someone who I genuinely enjoyed. We were friends. We always had a great time together. We were actually going to try to start up a band the next time I was back home. Him and I were always kind of collaborating on things um, a little bit together, but you know, he it, uh, his unfortunate passing, it happened. And somebody said that, you know, oh, he was always so happy and it came, just came out naturally. No, he wasn't fucking happy and that's why we're here. And that has always resonated with me when I think about, look at your, the, the, the last video posted of Chester Bennington before he died was him with oh, his family concert. having, no, him having a game night with his family, laughing, smiling, having a fucking blast, having what appeared to be the time of his life with his loved ones. Chris Farley's last words to um, a prostitute he had spent the night with were, don't leave me before he died. His last words in this earth were, don't leave me. Robin Williams, always funny and laughing, right? no he always strives for that connection but ultimately it was never there we use humor and we we use this humor as a um not a def- not a defense mechanism but a, a disarming kind of technique to help to help lower everyone else's defenses so maybe i can use this as a bonding agent to be in and with someone you know i i i tend to we can talk about musicians all we want. A lot of people get into the music industry not understanding how, how much you're going to be abused and wrecked and sad. But I like to look at comedians more than anything because if you, if you go to depression in the, uh, in the comedy industry, it is rampant. It's everywhere. It's right there in front of our faces. And it's all people that are smiling and laughing. And it's because that's what we human beings use as a bonding agent, is that laughter, is that jokes, is that... Um, that soft sensitivity to things, that intelligence that gets put out there. And we we always overlook them, people that that have, I, I can even say in my own life with my own struggles, I, I'm i not anymore. I'm, a, I'm very much a Red Foreman character. I'm a grumpy fucking old man, and I embrace it. I love it. But there, there used to be parties where I would walk room to room, and crowds would follow me. Not because I begged them to or I wanted them to, but I was very charismatic, and I was very um, eccentric in a way that people wanted to follow it. I, I used to always kind of liken it to like a Russell Brand kind of um, eccentricity, where it's like, this is interesting, and I want to be around it. I don't like being center of attention, but there's a lot of people that will tell you that adamantly, I love attention. I fucking hate it. I don't want you to focus on me. Um, but that that charm, and that humor, and that wit was a was me seeking to be understood and loved and cared for because that's all I ever wanted. Um, And, and we, yeah, we do miss those signs with people. You know, we don't pay attention. We see the joke, we see the dots connect and we see the laughter and the smile that comes with it, but we're not paying attention to the root and the why and the where it all comes from. And I think that's what really damages people. Now, obviously you can't be held to account for people that don't uh, that maybe do mask it or don't show it or don't seek help like those are all issues, but that's those are the people that we need to we need to to lean on and put our thumb on a little bit like listen, man, I love you, I want you to get help, but you need to you need to come back with me because more often than not you'll also find that those people they might be resistant at first, but they do appreciate it, and they will eventually start talking about things um, so it's also we you know people will tap dance around um They'll tap dance around those rough conversations with people. Sometimes you just got to come out and say it, man. Hey, something don't seem right lately. What's going on with you? Are you all right? Or if you know somebody's going through a really hard time, to- or maybe they got a loved one going through a hard time, don't ask how their loved one's doing. Ask how they're doing. And their then, loved one, you, you know how their loved one's doing. How are you doing?
1: And to piggyback on what you're saying, like, like it, I mean, you're you're exactly right. You're hitting the nail on the head. The people that, that we don't, um, like, we maybe don't check on are the people who are laughing at us are smiling. You know what I mean? It's, it's because they they put up this front. And as humans, we see this, this front, but we don't realize it's a front. It's we a don't. cry for help. Yeah. It's not even a
2: front, it's a cry for help. Like I'm I'm pleading. This is this is the only way I know how to connect to you. Please hear me.
1: Yeah, man. I uh, I agree with you 100% man. It's it's one of those things where like we have to we have to figure out how to have these conversations with people and then actually You just have them. Yeah. And that's then, it. That's what I'm saying. And then actually have them. Like, it's, it's one thing, like, telling, like, your buddies, like, if I was to tell you, oh, hey, man, I think uh, Joe Bob's, like, really struggling, then I know for sure you would tell me, why the fuck are you telling me? Like, talk to him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So,
2: you know what? I fucking hate that shit. So there's, I've had a couple people do that, and I know that their intentions are good, but I hate, I've had people go, hey, man, I think so-and-so's going through a hard time. You saw their post? And I'll just reply back, I haven't, but you fucking have, so you need to reach out to him when you see it because it might be too late by the time I see it. And then obviously I'll act on it, but that's it's like I want them, to, yeah. And it's it's like I, I and I feel bad when they're like, whoa, man, I was just trying to, cause it's like I'm being heavy on them, but at the same time, something's already heavy on somebody else. Save them. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you got a relationship or not. If I see a stranger struggling, I'm gonna talk to him. It, it's it's one of the things that that's why I say, you know, you you said, you know, we got to figure out how to have a conversation. Guess what? You just fucking have it. It ain't gonna be. It's not gonna be comfortable. And it might not go anywhere, but you know what? You reach out and you fucking have the conversation. Well, no, no, no. You see something I'm, wrong, you address it, man. You help. I'm that's saying, what we do.
1: I'm saying figure out how to how to have the conversation, like whether you got to do it in person, over the phone, uh, even. Message, oh yeah, okay. But still, like you have to have it. Like figure yeah. out how you're how you can reach this person and get their attention for ten, twenty minutes, however long you need, and then have the conversation. Because it, that's the only way that we're gonna we're gonna. Get through this, and that's me and you were talking earlier about toxic masculinity. You know, we we did grow up in a generation where all the people, all the people we looked up to, you know, the Robert De Niro's, um, you know, the the Ray Liotas, and and you know the Al Pacinos, like these are like tough guys. You know, what yeah, I'm you saying? weren't allowed
2: like, to be vulnerable. The
1: Sylvester Stallones, yeah, man, like like we see these people, and, and you're like, oh, we, I I have to be like them. You know what I mean?
2: Up up up. I'll put it like this, and I've, I've used this a lot of times, it's, it's kind of a shitty analogy, but I, I think it's, um, maybe not even an analogy, maybe it's a metaphor, I don't know. My, yeah, my, my English literature people are like, you fucking moron. But it's, so we always talk, everyone talks about armor. Man, I've, I got this armor, or I put up these walls, and you know, I'm tough. Fuck you. Those are all synthetic, man-made things. You know what the real deal is? Fucking thick skin. You fucking get over it, man. You Well, get over it's wrong terminology, especially for this topic. But, like, everyone talks about all these things that they hide behind. Armor, you're hiding behind something. Walls, you're hiding behind something. Let it go. I never felt stronger until the day I let all that shit go and I opened up about who I was and what I've been through and what's going on. Those are the days that I felt free. And if anyone, there's nothing in this world easier than being yourself. And anyone that tells you that, no, you can't because this, that, and the third, you're just worried about control issues. Being yourself is the easiest thing. And if someone else can't accept that, that's their cross to bear, not yours. So we need to be able to have these open and vulnerable moments because we do come from a time where that big tough guy image was this big guarded character. And look how miserable those big guarded characters were.
1: Yep. Yep. And that's, you got to, even if you don't recognize signs, just check in, man. Just check in with your people. Check in with your friends. Yeah, you know, don't get mad if they check in on you. You know, that's that's yeah. where that's where a lot of it starts. Is like people will check on somebody and then they they get mad and abrasive. they react. Yeah, they get yeah. mad and abrasive. And then after that, you don't want to ask. No, nah, fuck that. You keep asking. Keep checking on these people because that's the only way you're truly gonna know. We don't know what goes on. I don't know what happens yeah. in your head. You don't know what happens in mine. So the only way that you're gonna find out is if you ask. Hey man, I was thinking
2: about you. Just want to see how you're doing.
1: Yeah, and that's with friendship, that's with relationships, that's with uh even like as as parents or even to your parents, you know? Like like ask anybody, "How are you doing? Are you okay?" You know, you know, are you going through something? Okay, how do how do we fix this? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, it's like I said, it is it's just this this that's a topic that I am passionate about and i believe wholeheartedly and we about being able to have them conversations It's not just men's mental health it's everyone's mental health you know i, I want everyone to be okay and i'm not a, i'm not afraid to reach out to someone and say hey man i was thinking about you hope you're doing all right
1: yep. yeah i mean you've done that not too long ago we, we reached out to each other and we we're like hey what's up yeah what's up yeah hey, man it, it is what it is man that's just be a good friend bro that's that's what it is uh, to everybody listening be a good friend I always I address my entire crowd Be a bro. member
2: of society, be a human being.
1: I address my, my crowd, I always say, Bro, but I I actually have a lot of female listeners, so check on your girls. You know what I mean? Mm. Check on your check on your girls, check on your sister, check on your, your niece, check on whoever. Just make sure that something isn't happening right in front of you and you just fail to see it. Or you're too afraid to say something because you're worried about the backlash, you know? I would rather somebody yeah. be mad at me and get the help they need than yeah. it'd be too late, you know?
2: Yeah. Be, be mad at me. I'll see you next weekend instead yeah. of, you know, I'll be at your fucking funeral. I'll be giving your eulogy in three days.
1: Yep. I don't mean to sidetrack off of this very touchy subject, but uh, what new music are you listening to?
2: Oh, God. What new music am I listening to? Um... Man, it's actually not new, to be honest, but I've just, I've re-fell in love with fucking Norma Jean. Oh, I've been, yeah. so I'm, yeah, dude. Well, their most recent album, um, All Hail, is fucking amazing, but I, you know, I've, I've went back just through a lot of the old stuff I used to listen to, like Bush. Dude, I've been on a tremendous Bush kick, and I don't know if it's because I got a man crush on fucking Gavin yeah, Rossdale or not. Dude, I mean, how can you not? It, if it wouldn't look like shit, I'd pick up my guitar right now and play you fucking machine head. But <laughs> but no, I I just been going back through a lot of older stuff like that. Like if I'm really looking at anything that's like relatively new, is I do have the uh, you know I've I've got the new Machine Gun Kelly album on there. Um, I've been listening to. Um, This band called Era, E R R A. Um, they're a mix of some, you know, heavy metal and electronic music. Um, they they kinda blend it fairly well. Um, I don't know, man. I I, I'm I'm kinda put you on the
0: spot
2: there. No, it's good. Catch's new album's amazing and (laughs) No, I just you know, I'm I'm just kinda all over the charts. Like I said, I I haven't listened to a lot of actually new stuff lately. I've just been revisiting so many old things I haven't listened to in forever. Do um, you have Apple Music? I do.
1: Yeah, I'm going to share my, my 90s playlist with you because um, I love. Oh,
2: I'll, you, I'll share mine with you. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll compare notes.
1: Dude, I got a lot of Bush on there. A lot of uh, Everclear. Mm, do you remember that Santa Monica?
2: Oh, oh, a fucking. Yeah, actually, I just scrolled past them, too. Um, Everclear. so Yeah, you get Santa Monica, everything to everyone. Um, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Oh God. Wonderful. That song. Man, that funk that song touches home. Their singer had a really shitty home life in his early years. Matchbox 20, I love Rob Thom. You know, Rob Thomas is how I got into metal. Fun music fact.
0: Really?
2: Yeah, so if you listen to Back to Good, at the end of it. He starts kind of shouting and get a little gruff. And as a kid, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then you get Long Day. At the end of Long Day, the same thing happens. He starts kind of shouting and getting a little aggressive with it. And I was like, that's badass, you know, as a kid. And from there, I sought out music that was like that. So somehow Rob Thomas led me to, you know, the Meshuggahs and the Mushroom Heads and all those of the worlds. So.
1: Dude, I've got like hardcore, like new grass, you know, like, like bluegrass, but like newer bluegrass too. Um, yeah. My, my last couple of things that I've been listening to, I've been listening to that new Tory Lanez album, bro. Have you heard it?
2: I have not. Where
1: it kind of speaks out about the Megan The Stallion situation.
2: I Yeah, I haven't, I haven't listened to it. I haven't listened to Tory Lanez in a while, really. Just not for any one reason other than it just hasn't fell in my lap. you know
1: I, I like Tory Lanez, man. Tory Lanez is really good. This new day Star album is pretty good, too. Um, I've been listening to it, the new Machine Gun Kelly album. And then there's a guy that, as soon as we get down here, I want you to check out, man. His name's Billy Strings. He's a bluegrass guy, right? And uh, oh, he, he Jesus. does these songs, dude. He does these songs. Yeah, there's one called "Dust in a Baggy," where he's like talking about meth and shit. It's dude. so he had a performance. So he's like,
2: if so, Yellow Wolf was hillbilly rap. This guy is hillbilly trap, dude. But so with banjos. Let
1: me tell you, bro. He had a performance last night at Red Rock, and uh, you, uh-huh. could, you could buy tickets for like twenty bucks, right? And mm-hmm. he done three sets worth of music. So he started at eight. And then he went to, like, 9.15, or, no, he went to 9.05, and then he came back at, like, 9.15, played to, like, 10.17, and then came back at, like, you know, like 10.30 and played until, like, 11 or so. He done three full sets, bro, and it was $20, so I bought it, but the fights were last night, so I was watching it earlier today, and, bro, he, he ate mushrooms before he went on stage, bro, and he, <laughs> he fucking killed it, bro. And, like, I guess because, like, I'm from, like, Appalachian America. Like, I appreciate bluegrass. And, like, I grew up going to, like, fiddle conventions. Like, my grandfather was, like, a bluegrass musician.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I really appreciate this dude. He's super young, bro. Like, he's, like, tatted up. And he's just, like, sawing away on a banjo at one point during his performance. Dude, he's really good. I've been listening to him. Um, And then there's this band called Grass Stains that done a bluegrass cover of Blink-182 bro
2: oh god dude
1: it's actually pretty good bro
2: i'll i'll check it out i wrote it down. It down. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm scratching things off I'm, I'm scratching out a big fuck no on my notepad right now
1: man it's pretty good man i've been listening to a lot of bluegrass lately man because bluegrass yeah. kind of changed from like when i was growing up it used to be more like almost like more religious and like they were they were doing like a lot of hymns and, and stuff like that and yeah kind of singing about like the mines shutting down and stuff like that well, now yeah. They're, they're well,
2: eventually probably- became a little more folky and rocky and stuff like that. The genres are—I mean—that's kind of every genre is blending a lot more now.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, they're they're evolving into this stuff where they're talking about like like Tyler Childers just put out a, an eight song. It was it was seven of them are like actual fiddle songs. Like right? it's just him playing mm-hmm. the fiddle. And then the very last song on the album's called "Long Violent History," where he talks about like the Breonna Taylor situation and, and things that people of color are going through. And he asks like in the song, he says. How many how many people on this mountain could they feel full of bullet holes and, and arrest in the streets before we actually do something? And like when I heard that, bro, that's when I was like, I have to say something about these things because like he's fr- he's cut from the same cloth I am, bro. Like he he grew up on the yeah. mountain, you know. He grew up in Kentucky. I grew up in Virginia, but still, like he's raising the same point that I've been bringing up. Like how many of our like good old boys, like hillbillies, could they kill and arrest before you know we would do something? and i brought it up yeah. on the last podcast too i don't know if you heard it but i was talking about the battle of blair mountain yeah uh do you know do you know anything about that
2: i do not okay. but i i would like to say um uh, i am running a little low on time oh. and you're coming up on a lot of points that i could speak at at long <laughs> length about yeah um so i mean maybe we could book go ahead and talk about the battle we can bookend it there but um you know if yeah, your phone, I if your i phone's
0: done, yeah, I forgot all about
2: that. Yeah, I'm, I'm at I'm at like eight percent. So it's a shitty it's shitty uh reason, but um you know, maybe I'll come back for another one of these if, if the the views on this one or the not the views but the streams on this one don't tank. Uh, you know, maybe I'll come back for round two and we, we can we can get into it a little bit more.
1: Nah, man, these will be fun. They've been picking up lately, but no, the Battle of Blair Mountain was um they were doing like these these labor strikes, right, back in the uh-huh. day. Like the coal miners were um, like, losing their jobs and shit, and what it was was, like, the coal industry was, like, hiring these people. Um, it, it's, like, a, a bunch of fuck shit is, like, what happened, pretty much. Like, the coal miners were getting fucked by... Uh, they weren't vibing. By, like, the union workers and shit, man. And so what yeah. ended up happening was they ended up having, like, a protest, and like, revolting um, against these people. And they ended up, what happened was, it happened in West Virginia. West Virginia called in the National Guard and uh, pretty much like a bunch of miners, like armed to the teeth, fought the National Guard and, and fought the sheriff's deputies and these hired thugs. And they didn't win, but I mean, they damn near did, you know what I'm saying? But they still stood up for what they believed in. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm in that ideology, man. Like, that's as, as hillbilly as they come, you know, like like... If something don't seem right, you fight against it. So I'm I'm with that idea, man. But, but what got me started on that was Tyler Childers was talking about that kind of ideology in his song, and I was like, you know what, man, bluegrass has evolved so much. Like I I love where we're at with bluegrass. I've always loved bluegrass, and I'm just jamming the fuck out over here, bro.
2: Yeah, I've saw you tweet about it quite a few times. So but dude, check out Billy uh, Strings,
1: man. He's good.
2: <laughs> I might I'll probably do Tyler Childers first, and then uh, let me let me dip my toes in, go from one <laughs> to the other. How about that? I give you my feedback.
1: <laughs> hey man, if you want anybody to find you after this conversation, do you want to give out your socials?
2: Um, just tag me in whatever you post, I guess. I mean, I, I don't even, I don't even know what my fucking ads are on everything. They're slightly different. Yeah,
1: uh, I was looking at that actually a little bit ago. I was trying to find you, and I was like, <laughs> oh Jesus.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I promise to everybody, I'm better looking than I am. Uh, th- I, I look better than I sound. So. Um. <laughs> So, I'm, the next time we have me as a guest, we'll just mute me, but it'll be a live stream, and we'll just kind of show my face the whole time.
1: We're trying to do a 90-day fiancé <laughs> kind of thing. We're trying to find John. Yeah. Perfect emo slash goth girl.
2: Yeah, because they, girl. they say Ohio's for lovers, but I think it's fucking bullshit. Ohio's for the most boring people in the goddamn world, I found as I got down here. Hawthorne Heights lied to me. <laughs> that, saying sor- that song, Saying Sorry, was actually apologizing to everyone that believed that bullshit. So...
1: Hey John Davis, this has been absolutely incredible, brother. We got
2: to do it again. Absolutely, man. I, I, I love you, Josh. You're like my little brother. Um, you know, I, I'll always appreciate any time we get to spend together, man. So, um, I had a lot of fun, and uh, I, I will. Well, we'll probably talk after this too. But oh, yeah. you know, all right, <laughs> all right man. You, I appreciate brother. it. Love you, man. Take it easy.